1: Say What is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr.
0: Hello everyone, I'm George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. I want to welcome you
1: to today's episode of
2: Say What, where we talk about the threats to children in our public school system. And today we're going to be talking about a particularly pernicious example. And it's getting a lot of coverage in the news lately.
0: That's right, George. Today we're going to be talking about critical race theory. Of course, this is a one component of the triple threat to our children in the public school system. So that's what we're going to be focusing on today.
2: Well, Mark, uh, this sounds, again, uh, I think in a lot of our podcasts, we continue to uh, try to help parents understand that all of these terminologies, these sound so academic and so glorious sometimes, but um, it, it seems to me like anything with the word critical in front of it doesn't sound good anymore. That's
0: right. So, Mark,
2: can you help us understand what is critical race theory?
0: Let's try to unpack this a little bit. Um, What it is, critical race theory really is a new form of class warfare. Uh, This is one of the most pernicious ideologies that uh, we've seen in American civilization. Uh, Basically, it replaces the uh, bourgeoisie versus the proletariat class warfare and exchanges it for one of racial categories, essentially blacks against whites, unfortunately. Um, It makes the claim that... uh, all social life, political, and economic structures are all based in some, in one way or another, on racial distinctions. So it separates society in, in terms of these distinctions. It also says that America is systematically racist, and it divides people between what they call oppressed and oppressors. Mm-hmm. So none of these are healthy things for society.
2: And I think one of the other things that we want to um caution our audience to, to be able to think about this stuff critically, right? No pun intended. Yes. Um, and also, uh, I think the last two episodes, we constantly came back to the idea of worldview. That's right. And I think our audience needs to understand that critical theory is a worldview. In and of itself. It, it
0: definitely is. Uh, th- th- in fact, this is a replacement worldview mm-hmm. for the one that America was founded on, which, is, of course, is the Judeo Christian or biblical based worldview. Uh, so we should probably talk a little bit about the origins of where did critical race come from? Um, And and I'll start off it. um, it, The the word critical, it's critical race theory. Well, there's some other critical theories. There's critical legal theory and there's what we call critical theory. And these are really Marxist in origin. Uh, They go all the way back uh, to Karl Marx and uh, and the Frankfurt School. Um, The Frankfurt School, of course, existed in the Weimar Republic. Uh, This is uh, pre-World War II. And it was founded by a group of gentlemen who are becoming pretty well known in the news these days because of critical race theory. Uh, One gentleman's name was Max Horkheimer. Another one was Herbert Marcuse. And there's an Italian that was part of this mix as well. His name is Antonio Gramsci. And they had this idea that if socialism or Marxism was going to come about it could not come about in the West um, by force, what they call a war of position. It had to come about by what they call a war of movement, which means that we had to win over society because government institutions, education, social institutions, they all follow the will of the people. So they believed that um, they had to start with social engineering by taking over the most critical institutions in society. Government, of course, is one of those. Um, But before government could be taken over, they would have to start in the influential institutions like the universities, uh, the media, uh, school systems. So this is, this is really where it started. And, of course, uh, these ideas, the Frankfurt School ideas, were exported to America. They first came to Columbia University in the uh, early 20th century. And from there, they started infiltrating our institutions, mainly the universities.
2: So, Mark, one of the things that I think is important for our audience to understand, because um, I'm too young to remember these things, to know these things, <laughs> um, When I started looking into all of this, it just fascinated me how long and how calculated their infiltration has been going on. Yes. Um, So what we're seeing today is just a spillover. That's right. Into everything. Um, But um, talk about real quick just some of the the history from the 60s, the 70s, um, and how they've also... Influence the teachers unions and, and things of that nature
0: well, yeah, as I said before, um, from columbia university the, this this mindset of critical race theory started moving its way into other universities and and the school systems in the '60s um, it had It had taken hold, and yet, and yet, of course, Marx believed that there would be a class warfare. That you know the underclass would actually take over the institutions of society, but they realized that in in American society that would never happen. So they started infiltrating the universities, and uh, these ideas, this this mindset, uh, started taking hold. Started taking root there. So, uh, critical theory, critical uh, legal theory, which uh, also divides society based on the oppressed and the oppressors, uh, these started to be taught in the 60s and 70s, wow. such that by 1980, um, you know, it, uh, Alan Bloom, which is the author of the famous book, The Closing of the American Mind, could say that uh, most of the freshmen that were coming to the university believed that truth was relative. Mm-hmm. Uh, George that was forty one years ago wow. so we 've had two generations of kids now coming through the public school systems, and of course it it certainly uh, infiltrated its way through the media
2: and today, I think we see a, a different phenomenon, which is kind of the what we call to as mob mentality right yeah and that 's really just now the the long march through the social institutions right. Right? It has taken hold, and now it's no longer, basically, we're committing suicide
0: we as a society. Yeah, this is antithetical to the entire structure of the American system which is based on uh, individual liberty. Uh, Dennis Prager uh, Mm -hmm. likes to talk about the three American values that are still inscribed on our coins. Uh, E pluribus unum, which means out of many one, Uh, in God we trust. And liberty, which really means ordered liberty. Mm -hmm. Well, critical race theory overturns each one of those, starting with e pluribus unum. E pluribus unum is a Latin expression, which means out of many, one. And it's the idea that America was this great melting pot. It didn't matter what race you were, what color you were, what ethnic group you came from, what socioeconomic background that you came from. Once you came to America, you were an American. And people are expected to assimilate into this new American society and, and adopt our values that were based on the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equally by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to the preserve these rights, governments are instituted by men. So the American foundation is such that our Constitution was designed to preserve individual liberty based on equal rights, not based on this idea of oppressor versus oppressed.
2: And you, you mentioned a very good point here about assimilation. And I think in the critical theory world, assimilation to American values uh, is a, like a trigger yes. thing for them. Um, And as an immigrant, I could tell you that from my family's experience and at least the immigrant bubble that I grew up in, um, that we never saw that as threatening to our culture, to the things that, you know, I mean, nobody was there pointing a gun at our head saying, thou shalt become an American, right? Uh, Because we actually came to America because we we aspired to its values, and we always got to keep our culture, our food, our traditions. But when it came to values, that's what attracted us to America. I mean, my dad and mom could have made a decision to go to any other country in the world, right? That was accepting, um, you know, political refugees at that time. Yeah. But yet they decided to come to America. Why? Because. We held those same values. And those values, I believe, are universal in men's hearts. There's a desire to have that freedom, that individuality, but I think it's just being twisted and turned.
0: It is indeed. In fact, the uh, Human Rights Declaration that uh, was memorialized uh, many, many decades ago still incorporates the the American values that it was taken from, and even today, George, the the many migrants who are coming across the Mexican border and are are risking their lives to come into America. uh, They're coming here for a reason, because they believe in E Pluribus Unum, in God we trust, and in ordered liberty. And yet this critical race theory uh, is seeking to undermine the very reasons why so many immigrants wanted to come to America in the first place. So,
2: Mark, can we talk about some buzzwords um, from critical race theory? Because uh, you'll start hearing about white privilege, um, white supremacy um, and then white fragility what what do all of these things mean?
0: Uh, they basically underscore the uh, the premise that America is systematically racist; that our entire culture is based on racism. Um, and so you hear these terms: white supremacy, white patriarchy, mm-hmm. cis heteronormativity. These yeah. things have to be overturned because they're a remnant. Of racism. In fact, critical race theorists say that our entire economic system is based on the cotton plantations that happened uh, in antebellum uh, America, Mm -hmm. and that because of that, capitalism itself is illegitimate and something that we have to get rid of. In fact, uh, Ibram X. Kendi, who is a professor at Boston University. Uh, says that uh, capitalism and racism are inextricably linked. That's a paraphrase of what he believes, but they're Mm -hmm. conjoined twins. And so you cannot have one without the other. And because racism is bad, capitalism is bad as well, and it has to go.
2: And I think one of the things for our audience to understand, because this was a big aha moment for me and all of my reading on this topic, is the redefinition of words. Including the most critical word in this phrase, critical race theory, the definition of racism. If in the past, racism had the definition of, you know, prejudice, um, today they have redefined that term to be prejudice plus power. Yes. And that is key because that's when you'll start hearing people say, like, well, brown people or black people or people of certain melanin cannot be racist. That's just because they don't have power. And that completely um, undermines the the old true definition of what racism is because I think at the end of the day, any person in the world has the power or has the ability to be racist regardless of power or not. Um, and so I think parents need to understand that because in the school system, as kids will start getting, you know, pushed this stuff onto them, I think they need to teach their kids how to ask those critical questions of their own teachers.
0: I I agree, George. In fact, what you just mentioned was actually a slide that was discovered in a a lawsuit that is pending right now in Nevada. It's uh, William Clark versus Nevada Charter School System. And uh, in that case, William Clark uh, was a student. Uh, I I can't remember exactly what grade. I I think it was in high school. And he was being forced to deconstruct his race Mm -hmm. and to figure out on where on the spectrum of oppressor he landed. And he refused to do this. And as a result of that, he received a failing grade in the class. Well, of course, they filed a lawsuit against uh, the school system. And during discovery, it came out that they presented this slide presentation where race was defined as power, right, Mm -hmm. plus prejudice. Mm -hmm. And so people of color, the slide deck says, could not be racist because they had no power. Mm -hmm. There was only one colored group mainly the white patriarchs that had color therefore by definition they're racist but of course that's ridiculous there are plenty of people of color that have plenty of power today in, in society can
2: think of uh, 8 years of Barack Obama right that's exactly <laughs> right yes um, so students are learning about these concepts they're learning about this spectrum what else are they being fed Mark
0: Well, they're being fed that uh, society should not focus on equality, but rather this idea of equity. And equity is a fancy term that really means redistribution of income or redistribution of privileges based on whatever racial group that you have to be have to happen to belong to. And it's interesting, George, because the word equality and equity, well, they sound familiar, don't they? And and they're oftentimes seen as synonyms of each other. Yeah. But in today's parlance, they mean very different things. Of course, equality is embedded into our 14th amendment. You know, This is where we get equal protection under law. Yeah. Well, the idea of equity does away with that completely. Um, you should be given, you should be given privileges based on what racial group you happen to be in, or privileges would be taken away from you, depending on what racial group you happen to be in. Another idea is this idea of intersectionality. This is Mm. something you're familiar with. And it's the idea of of identity politics, which means that you may belong to a racial group, but you may also belong to an economic stratification or an ethnic group. Or some other group that uh, marginalized. placed some marginalized group. <laughs> and all of these categories intersect with each other and magnify your, um, your oppression, yeah. your, your lack of power to do well in society. And these these terms and this marginalization is highlighted in critical race theory in our public school system today.
2: So, Mark, I wanted to go back to the the equality topic and equity, because that I've seen it come up even in my workplace. Hmm. Um, And I remember seeing during the 2020 presidential election, I think after Kamala Harris was elected as or chosen as the running mate for Joe Biden, she put out this video showing the difference between equality and equity. And it was this. These three males, I can't tell if they were a family or not, yeah. but, but let's just suppose that uh, they they were not, right? So there was an older gentleman and a kind of a teenage boy and then a really young boy. And they were each sitting on a box trying to look over the fence to watch a baseball game. Mm. And so each one had a box, right, to, sit, to stand on. Yes. And so the little boy... Couldn't see the game. The middle-aged kid could barely see the game; his, his head was over. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the older man was, you know, head and shoulders above the fence. He could watch the game easily. Yes. And then on the other slide, they said, "Okay, that's equality." On the other slide, they took away the box from the old man. They gave it to the youngest boy. Of course. And now all three of them were at the same height, being able to watch yes. the game. But what what's interesting to me about that whole scenario is it it's a baseball game, right? You're, you're watching it. It makes it so ah, oh, like somebody did something right there to give that box. Yes. Willing. But nobody asked the question: Did the man give the box willingly? Did the government step in to take the box and give it away?
0: Yeah, details, <laughs> details.
2: Details, details. And so from our experience living in equitable uh, societies like communism, because all of this leads to socialism and communism, it is usually the state who comes in and decides who gets a box, who doesn't get a box, that's right, and who gets how many boxes, right? Uh, and so these details... Uh, that then start to play into what is fair and what is not fair. And this, they, I think that this whole m- movement today in America with critical race theory plays on fairness and justice. And yet, if they would ever experience somebody forcibly taking their own property, right? They would call that unfair.
0: Yes, that's right.
2: But today just because of mob mentality, They'll just say, well, it's fair. We deserve to have that.
0: This points to the insidious nature of critical race theory. I mean, you look at these terms, diversity, inclusion, equity. You find these in every corporate office today. In fact, we have HR departments, entire HR departments are now filled with these terminologies and training manuals. And uh, so this is not just in education, but of course, it's particularly insidious when it starts creeping down into high schools and grade schools, because now you're training an entire generation to believe these these false narratives. And once that happens, if enough people believe this, then all of a sudden the memory of what America was built on, what it was founded upon, the Judeo-Christian worldview is lost, George. Mm -hmm. And what replaces it is something that's based on a lie, which is materialism the idea that there is no God, there is no lawgiver that humanity can be based on these ideas of class warfare because why not? We are, we are redefining history as we choose to to meet our ideological goals, which is to really income redistribution and to impose a form of socialism and communism upon society.
2: And, and we we're also redefining um bad values, turning them into good values like envy and jealousy and hate, right? Yes. And it's all coming in the form of tolerance uh, and and other words, um, you know, greed, right? That's right. They're blaming capitalism for being such a greedy system. And yet what people don't realize is that critical theory and the socialism, communism, economic system that it espouses is actually the most greedy form uh, of governing and of, of an economic system that we know of and that has resulted in 100 million plus deaths over the last 120 years since it's been tried
0: socialism and communism has failed in every single instance wherever it's been tried i mean if anything we have the 20th century examples but even in the 21st century look at venezuela so you don't have to go far to see that this is a total failure. So it's somewhat of a mystery why now this is being imposed on American society. But the goal behind it is really power-oriented, I think. And it's, it's to have a collectivist-based system where the elites are in power. And unfortunately, George, they're doing a very good job of getting their message out, including in the public school system.
2: So, Mark, I'm always hopeful because if... Um, our forefathers, your forefathers, whoever's forefathers were here 250 years ago, decided to stand up to the most powerful government at that time in the world, uh, to the British Empire. Um, I think parents could do the same here again, stand up to this uh, evil force that's coming their way. So what can parents be doing today?
0: Well, uh, people perish for lack of knowledge. So that's the first thing. They have to be aware of what's going on. They have to be they have to uh, educate themselves as to the extent of critical race theory in the public school system. So I would encourage people to go to our website, protectourkidsnow.org and learn about this. Uh, Google it. Find, Find out more about it. But then after that, George, they need to get engaged. They need to become parent activists on behalf of their children Mm -hmm. and they need to resist the encroachment of critical race theory upon society
2: and and you mentioned a really good way the example in Nevada right that's right parents standing up and apparently in our society once you start putting a lot of lawsuits together somebody starts to listen
0: people pay attention
2: (laughs) so it's unfortunate that it always has to go that way but uh, parents if that becomes our last resort then we have to do whatever it takes to protect our kids um, so, you know, Mark, that's a, a wrap. Time goes by very quickly. Uh, episode three, Critical Race Theory. Uh, we'll be talking about the subject. We will. A lot more yes. uh, moving forward and its ramifications. Uh, so with that, we want to say uh, goodbye. And we'll be back next week with episode number 4
0: we'll see you soon.